Hello, tribe. This podcast is sponsored by Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic is a natural superfood company that specializes in mushroom-based drinks that benefit our immunity, energy, longevity, and keeping us healthy and enhanced in our lives. Four Sigmatic makes a wide variety of blends, including mushroom coffee, mushroom elixir, hot cacao, matcha, and superfood blends. I believe strongly in this company. I've been taking Four Sigmatic and it has changed my life. I can't even begin to start my day without a cup of Four Sigmatic in front of me. Right before I meditate or I do anything from speaking engagements to traveling to doing healing on people or just going out in the world and sharing my immense love for this planet and for everyone on it. I feel lit times 1,000. It is literally shifting the energy in my being. I'm talking firing off those synapses, kicking my body into high gear by awakening those electrons, spinning those electrons, getting my body so on point with my focus, my creativity, and my energy. One of the products that I love the most is the Lion's Mane's Coffee. Lion's Mane promotes productivity and focus, and it was known by shamans and monks who take that into their body for meditation, focus, and clarity so they can really tune in to the energies and absorb the knowledge and information that is coming to them from the spirit world. And as you know, on Ancient Wisdom Today, we like to keep it lit all day every day. And how do we do that? By creating magic. And what is magic? Magic is turning up that energy, living our truth, honoring who we are, and doing what's right for us so that we can live a beautiful, powerful, easy, playful, fun, joyous, and just the most powerful life in this now time. So if you don't have Four Sigmatic on your shelf, in your bag, in your briefcase, on the airplane with you, right before you speak, whatever it is that you do, you have to get this. Even for your kids, for your teenagers, pop it in their, in their bag before they go to school. This is the drink that literally makes you think. It is powerful and it is enriched with so many powerful mushrooms. And these Adaptogens are literally changing the lives of people. And remember, I've talked to you many times before in the past about mushrooms and the networking system of mushrooms when it gets into your body and just really taking your body to a whole new level. So if you're interested in learning more about this amazing company, because I just really want you to know, Tribe, that everything I share with you, I share with you from my heart because I believe in it and I see what it has done for me and my life and all of my friends and family. Go to foursigmatic.com backslash shaman Durek, and you will get a discount code at your checkout. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com backslash shaman Durek for your 15% off. I love you, tribe. I love you so much. That is the reason why I choose sponsors that are in alignment and authenticity to what this tribe is about. Staying lit, staying focused, staying driven, and changing our planet.
for the good. Love you. Enjoy the share. Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years, and with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek is a third-generation shaman, an evolutionary innovator, and a women's empowerment leader. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. We're sharing ancient knowledge in modern times in order to put the power back in people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. Hello, tribe, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. And if anyone hasn't told you today that they love you, let me be the first. I love you so much. And I'm so happy that you are on this planet and that we get to be together in this journey of life where we get to open up, turn the pages, and write new scripts for humanity. Because that is what it's about. It's about shifting and lifting and exciting ourselves in the discovery of the limitless possibilities that we're able to create together and individually. So I'm so happy that you are on this planet and I honor you. I see you, I get you, and I know you, and we have known each other before taking this embodiment here on earth. I'm also very, very, very happy to have my friend who's in the studio today. She is the creator and author of The Moon Deck. She is an inspirational leader and teacher. She's about bringing awareness of trauma and helping people to understand how to move and alleviate these things in their life in a ritualistic way and understanding the dynamics of ritual and really stepping into what it means to bring purpose into reality through that which you see and experience in life and being able to bring that into a beautiful place within you when you honor the sacredness of how everything is connected. She's also here to represent the higher understanding of what it means to be free and express yourself in this world without holding back so that you're able to truly live your life and live the best life. So I'm very thankful to have this powerful, amazing queen, this goddess, this teacher, this elevator of consciousness, Arana Lee in studio. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Shaman Derek. <laughs> I've been looking forward to this. As I have too. I really wanted to get you in the share uh, for the tribe, but it didn't work out. Uh, and then I had to go teach in uh, Costa Rica and so forth. And now that we are together, which I knew was going to happen the moment I got back to LA. So I'm happy and I'm honored to have you here. Thank you. So let's talk about your journey into this path that led you to to create and manifest and bring into fruition the moon deck. Yes. So the moon deck is an oracle deck. It's a healing intuitive oracle set of cards that brings ritual, practice, and just really accountability for showing up for our own healing in the world of cards. Because for me, card decks, whether it's tarot, divination, oracle cards in my healing journey have always been really helpful because I'm a very visual, experiential person. And having a snapshot of a bigger idea on a card was something my brain could wrap around and meditate on. And uh, I also like the divination piece, trusting our inquiries will be answered by spirit. And so I've worked with cards for a long time. 
And I also have been a yoga practitioner and meditator for 23 years and teaching for about 14 of those years as a yoga teacher. Through all of that, I think the teachings that I've been exposed to have made their way in this deck. And when I was teaching these events called Yoga Soundscape, which was a yoga experience with a, an orchestra or musicians back in 2008, I would paint letter uh, words on paper as like the oracle for class and hand it out to people. Mm. And that's where kind of that started. And then I, it was very time consuming. So I started just buying my favorite decks and handing the cards out. And what was amazing is that those who received the cards in the classroom, I let them take it home with them. They would come back to me the next class or even a year later. And they're like, that card helped me so much. And I saw that what helped me was helping others. And I really wanted to create my own deck. And I was a writer and had endless journals. And so in the moon deck is a lot of the teachings that I wrote down in my journal entries when I was sitting as a student with my teachers over the years, as well as a lot of channeling that took place to write this deck and then doing some research in the areas where I was stuck or needed a little more of a, you know, a gateway. Bit of a, yeah, yeah, a bit of expansion in there. Exactly. And um, I was also at that time sitting, I've done a lot of women's work for many, many years and I was sitting in yes. a, yes, and that's taken all <sighs> kinds of shapes. Yeah, and, we have to acknowledge first of all, doing women's work, right? Because women's work is so important to our survival on planet Earth. So I just wanted to throw that in, but please continue. <laughs> totally. No, I agree with you. And I appreciate that you're out there doing that as well, because we, we, we need the men and the women doing all the human work. And, and I do think that when women come together, something very, very special happens. And I was experiencing that in a moon circle that I had been sitting with for a couple of years back in New York, which is where I lived for 18 years up until recently. And that circle is what uh, kind of congealed the Oracle deck that I wanted to create. I knew I wanted to do a deck. I had no idea it was going to be ritual-based, the moon deck, feminine. I just knew I did, wanted to do a deck with all my little one-liners on it that I had been collecting over the years. So that moon circle is what inspired this deck even further. And this deck, I feel like just, she has a personality, she has a soul, she's she's grown legs. You know, we all do a lot of projects in life and and some of them exist in their own bubble and that's great. And some of them grow legs and, and really get out into the world. And so out of the many projects I've done over the years that have had their own levels of success and, and joy and experimentation, this one definitely has kind of just expanded in a way that I'm really grateful for. And we get emails all the time from people that they just keep saying how much it's changed their life. And, you know, for me in this deck is the little girl who went through her own trauma and confusion and healing. And I turned to God and spirit and magic at a very, very young age, sort of self-taught. My mom certainly inspired a bit of that. For me, I think those conversations I would have with spirit and where my imagination would take me as a child was you know, they say like, oh, it's coping. And it's like, well, whatever it is, the gateway was open. And sure, it could be coping or imagination. For me, it was very real. And it was a very important access point for me to feel safe and protected and see maybe a bigger picture of what was going on in a time where, I don't know, as a child, when you're a child, it just is what it is. It seems normal. That's a very powerful thing that you just said, because in one of the things that I teach the tribe is that there's no such thing as imagination and that all imagination is, is that your spirit is giving you an aspect to look at other dimensions that exist that your mind would not even know existed. But because at some point something happens that allows you to jump to spirit versus jump to your mind. And so you chose to take the leap into spirit 
and let spirit show you all the other dimensions that exist. And so what you saw as imagination was actually real. Totally. Yeah. And it's like when they say, oh, you have such an active imagination or you're too sensitive. Like those, it's just like, those are the things we want to build in a child. And, and, <laughs> and everything we see in the world started as a thought, started as an intention, started from the imaginal world, and then it became. So it's, you know, it's all around us. Yeah, I love that you said that as well, because in shamanism, uh, a lot of the training between the dream world and the waking world is also the understanding of how to go into the dream world and learn how to access those dreams, create them, and then bring them through the vessel of the mind that accepts it, then through the emotion that can feel it, and then into the physical that can actually bring it into physical manifestation. So everything you see has come from someone's dream. Mm. And so so the, the the object of all of all divination and all ability to see into the different worlds, be it tarot, be, be it runes, be it tea readings or coffee readings or anything, is the ability to be the dreamer while being awake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like I'm relearning that all the time mm-hmm. uh, right now, especially just so much change has happened in the last couple of years, and I feel like I'm learning that all over again. What perhaps came so easily to me when I was younger, but she's coming back. I feel her. And, and, and so that's, she's so in the deck, that young girl. And I, I feel like every age is in this deck. And then eventually I, you know, thankfully there was a strong spiritual side to me. I collected crystals, like everything I love now, I loved then. And it just, it just has always stayed with me. And, and so I think that certainly my mom really supported that. She passed away last year and now I work with her spirit pretty closely. Uh, but back then she, she had her own struggles in pretty major ways. And she's always saw that side of me and supported it. So I think that's what really fueled it was that I had a parent that wasn't afraid of that side of me and, and kind of lived vicariously through me in some ways. Cause she had a lot of those gifts and, uh, did not know how to live on this planet in a way that was healthy. So, now her spirit is free and she comes to me as a hummingbird. Beautiful. Yeah. And uh and then later in what by the time I was 13, I uh you know a lot of the the trauma that I grew up with uh, the trauma was that my um just my parents were very very toxic for each other. My mom was an alcoholic and bipolar and my dad was in the music industry, he'd be a manager for Motown and Johnny Cash and like they just had this, you know, this seventies. And mm, I love some Johnny Cash. <laughs> yeah. Did you have to say Johnny Cash's name? <laughs> All of a sudden I just got there. I just went back to Johnny Cash. <laughs> they had crazy parties. We'd wake up in the middle of the night. It was like boogie nights. That alone wasn't traumatic, but just as a child growing up in that environment and um and then I had a babysitter who molested me for a while and and it just was confusing and I actually really kind of liked him and he was a friend. It was just a confusing time. And we've all had stuff in our childhood, but these are things that helped shape me. And I also had a lot of love. Somehow tons of love seeped through all of that, through all my family and uh, and just spirit and angels supporting me. And so eventually all of that, I'm just sort of putting it in a nutshell, led to some deep healing. And I, um, I've always been highly, highly sensitive. I wasn't taught naturally how to handle that. I kind of had to hide it or go away. And it felt like I was always, I was too intense I got that a lot. So by the time I was 13, all of that, I think, uh, created some rage and control issues and perfectionism, and it turned into pretty intense eating disorders, namely bulimia, uh, along with like binge cleanse cycles, 
and then like fasting. I was just like the whole thing, I was, you know, and, and then I would fast and I would feel so great and like so glowing. And then I'd be overwhelmed by the perfection I had to maintain with that. And then that would just kickstart the whole pendulum again. And so that lasted about 10 years on and off. Yeah. It was kind of, I think a lot of girls did it in eighth grade. I had friends, but some of them just sort of, it was a phase and some of us, it wasn't. Um, and then yeah, just moved through high school, went to college, kept going through that. And I was a photographer and in the arts and that helped me quite a bit as well. That was a huge outlet for me. My, my work, interesting and very body oriented. And I used to play, I was, I was still the film days for me, this whole idea of body image and body dysmorphia. I brought that into my photography at the time. I would do big wall installations and I would like scratch up the negatives and like put weird body parts together. So it was such therapy for me. I would, I would create that visually. So I kept finding ways, whether it was spirituality or art, you know, or movement that kept helping me. And these tools have just accumulated over the years. I eventually, my early twenties, uh, went to 12 step program when I was like, maybe I went to India for six months to photograph the Maha Kumbh Mela, which is a big Hindu festival. Yeah. Yeah. The Maha Kumbh Mela. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That one won't happen again for 144 <laughs> years. Crazy. I've been blessed with all these events in my life. I'm like, they're like, that won't happen again in your lifetime. I was like, wow. So all of that was a big journey, I would say, the arts, the spirituality, the embodiment practices that led to the moon deck. And as I said to you before we started, whether it was bulimia or any addiction that people go through, whether that addiction is to certain emotions, I know sadness very well. I saw my mom deal with a lot of deep depression and sadness. So I, as an empathic child, learned that, and that's an emotion I know very well. And so I've had to work hard to allow myself to be happy and, and, and even know what that means for me. So I think all of that stuff has uh, led me to now where I've been able to produce something that takes all these rituals, whether it's addiction to emotion, as I was saying, or a substance or a behavior or a thought pattern, which we all have our work to do on that. But all of that is very ritualistic. It's repetition, it's patterns, it's habits. And, and so for me, it was a great realization to be like, wow, these are all rituals, but they're not healthy. They're actually insane. <laughs> and they're perpetuating the dark cloud that I felt I was in. And so taking a different route and finding rituals that were healing and more uplifting and, and not even focusing on so much like, I have to stop this, but just bringing in, adding in the healthy rituals so that they would start to take up the space and there would be less room for the unhealthy rituals. And being a yoga practitioner for so long, especially back in the day, you know, when you had to really sit with your teacher and, and even receive the honor of subbing a class. I mean, you don't see that anymore. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, right. studying on that level also the the power of practice and devotion and consistency is very much, I think, what makes the moon deck stand out from other decks is that you pick a card, you say the mantra three times in a row, ideally, because mantra, it's traditionally a Sanskrit word, but a mantra is meant to say in repetition to create absorption and concentration for the mind. Because our mind's always going to loop. We can't stop it from looping. We can't stop the heart from beating. But what we can do is insert something more loving and productive into the looping of the mind. So that's why we want to work with these mantras or these affirmations. And then it's also the sentences on the cards are also an affirmation, a sentence towards a desired outcome. 
And then thirdly, it's also an incantation where it has the power to cast a spell. When we distill a powerful sentence down to only the words that you need there and you say it with conviction and full belief, which I know you speak a lot about that kind of stuff. So the moon deck mantras on the cards are a combination of all of that. And they're meant to be repeated three times when you pick a card. And that's a ritual right there. You pick a card a day, you say the mantra three times in a row to start shaping your perspective. And then if you want to take it a step further, you can do the ritual. Each card has a corresponding ritual that is very specific to the card. Everything from yogic practices to meditation to gratitude jar to earthing your home to carving an intention candle, a little more witchy. So there's a little bit of everything in there. Mm -hmm. And I wanted it to speak to as many people as possible. The teachings are universal, but it's very feminine deck for sure. It's mostly women uh, that are using the deck. And I wanted it to speak to as many types of women as possible. And as I was writing it, I know you're writing a book, so it's a deep, grueling process at times. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the word that I like had voices coming in, like through me, that, you know, like a hardcore Catholic and then a more yogi and all these people. I was like, okay, well, how can I say this without scaring people off? Not uh, changing my verbiage too much to not be sincere in what I believe, but to change it enough where it's just a doorway. Like, I'm fine changing the language if that means someone's going to feel some connection to spirit. I agree 100%. I change language all the time. Yeah. I come up with words and things that support the evolution of energy. You know, fun things that are fun for people to get into, such as like, you know, we are all giants because on earth we're considered really small, tiny beings, but where we come from, we are giants. Hmm. So we're actually giants in these little tiny bodies, right? And so when we, op when we allow ourselves to project outside of the field of the human nature, which is the biological spacesuit, we recognize that our spirit is a giant. Right, So you can be giant love, you can be giant wisdom, you can be giant grace and like all these things. So I create words that, that kind of allow that mind to kind of go beyond that, you know, and step into that space. But what I love about your journey is um, the eclectic nature of taking all these different elements. But what you have done with each and every one of those elements is you brought it into devotion. And a lot of times people will take bits and pieces of elements, but they don't bring devotional energy into it. And devotional energy is so important because that's when you get true intention. That's where you get like real, um, authentic, true intention that allows something to really be felt, experienced, and and um, absorbed on all levels, right? Mm -hmm. Where you can always tell when there's something that's created that doesn't have true devotion in it. It's kind of listless. It's kind of like it doesn't have that, that full capacity. And, you know, I know that a lot of people, and I've talked to a lot of people, and I've had a lot of um, tribal members write me already on Instagram talking about um, your moon deck. And because they saw that we had connected at, you know, at uh, Wellspring, and they had they saw pictures and so forth. And so they wrote me, I love that deck. That deck has changed my life. And, you know, and all this. And, so, and, and the reason why you're getting that kind of response is because I'm listening to your, your story and you're telling your story. But what I hear in the story is I didn't go and feel sorry for myself and go into the woe is me. I taken every bit of this experience and brought it into a place of devotional, um, a devotional space. And that allows you to create to a, a true intention and in anything you decide to put your energy into. So that's really important because I think a lot of times what happens in society is that we get so convoluted with all of these different ideas and energies 
And because we don't realize to accept them and bring them through the heart space and bring them into devotion, we can't really make sense of what it is that we want to do or where do we want to bring our energy. And so the direction or the focus of intention is not there to create the platform for one to be able to create something or to to bring something in fruition, which is really beautiful, by the way, that you have, have that you have done it in this very poetic way, which is something special and very whimsical, if you ask me. The the other thing that I think is important too is that where we are, we're talking about you know, really understanding the, you know, how you say, for instance, like, you know, on the cards, there is this word and like how you started with the word and words have power, right? And so when we recognize that there's an intention in that as well, because you're telling your story about how when you were doing this yoga with the symphony and all this stuff, and, you know, you'd write on these pieces of papers, these words, and those words um, are very powerful. And we look at mantra, we look at words. A lot of times we take it for granted in society. We don't see that words and mantras actually have codes and they write code into the matrix or into the world, right? And so, you know, in music today has what I call, I call it distorted mantra, right? They're words that loop your brain into things that are not supporting you or lifting and shifting you. So it's always important to be able to have uh, something that comes out at you that operates from the place of bringing true intention through word and mantra in a way that actually loops in as something that is lifting you and being able to help you see more divinity within yourself. And I think that's a beautiful thing. My question to you is, if we are transversing through this time right now, which we shamans call the dark time, right? We call it the dark period. This is the period before the golden age. So it's the time where everything that's under the rug has to become, come out to, re, to show itself so that we have an opportunity to take responsibility for all the junkery that we've, uh, that we've allowed to accumulate and to bring it through the heart space of love, which is acceptance and, you know, and really creating a, a conversation, uh, with our fellow brothers and sisters on earth without condemning and crucifying and persecuting, which we have done so much in the dark ages and in the olden days of, you know, of, of, of world and global culture, right? And so at this period of time, what do you feel right now is the most important thing for us to be able to bring ourselves to a higher place and not fall in to that maya while maintain, using ritual as a way to keep ourselves out of it. So the maya is the static and the energy of distortion that happens on the planet. So you're either so in life you're either uh, you're in the maya or you're above the maya, mm -hmm. right? But what ritual can we create to stay above it? Yeah. I think it's personal like what the ritual is. You know, I, I listen to your podcast and I listen to your work and you've even corrected me in moments where I'm using language that's not uplifting or not in the vibration that I want. And so I actually, I go back and forth in, because I do think that it's important for, depending on where people are at, to go into whatever shadow realm they need to go into so that they have a deeper understanding and through that the crystallization can can happen and there's rituals that are born from that darker space and that's what happened for me and and i think there's a fine line on like what we allow when it comes to that language because i don't it's like we don't want it to be a habit of 
going into the shadow all the time or there's not, that's not beneficial for anything. And there's some people that just really need to go into that and need that validation and need that experience to then have something birthed out of that. Can I add something to that? Really sure, quick? please. So in shamanism, we don't consider the shadow very much like everyone else considers the shadow. Uh-huh. We see the shadow as the light of your divinity mm. that holds all the junkery for you that you won't show up to with love. And say, hey, I'm going to turn this into love and bring it through the lens of love. So it holds that for you. And that's how it becomes your shadow. So the shadow is the part of you that's divine, that holds all your junkery and reflects off of you and plays your shadow. So a lot of times people will think going into the shadow is this like going into darkness. They're two different things. The shadow is the part of your being that's holding on all the things that you won't take responsibility for. The darkness is the energy distortion that's happening on a global conscious collective level that is feeding itself its own world based off of our fears and our disillusion. Totally. Okay. And I love that because if you do go into the shadow with a sense of love, curiosity, remaining teachable, that's where the transformation happens. Exactly. So, and that's been my journey and I, it's, I need a lot of reminders and luckily I have of the practices and the loving people and the spirit guides to always bring me back to that. And for me, what, as far as like, the, there's not one ritual I would say, of course, meditation, I think is number one. I just firmly believe in it. It I've been, it's been in my life for many, many years, but in the last two years, I'm going through a divorce and I lost my mom and I moved across country and a, a few other things. And so from all of that, it catapulted me into a very non-negotiable meditation practice in the morning because I needed it. I was falling apart. So it's something I've had in my life and now it's very non-negotiable. So for me, that morning ritual in the form of meditation is key. And I think we would see a very different planet if more people were doing that even three minutes a day. And there's no action small enough if it's coming from love that's not going to make a world of difference by the end of a month. If you think of three minutes over the course of 30 days, that's a lot. And it's practicing back to the devotion. If someone just shows up even a minute a day, literally, if someone's too busy or this is really new to them or they're just super in the shadow and that stubborn energy is like not letting them break through, like take a minute sit down with your tea and just be quiet, (laughs) whatever it is. I think that if you show up with that devotion, no matter how big or small, that the cumulative impact of that has a massive benefit, not only mentally, anatomically, and all the great things that meditation does, but you're strengthening that devotional muscle. You're strengthening your word to yourself, which we all don't always stick to. We we have a lot of great intentions, but we don't always follow through when it comes to our self-care. So just that sticking with our word, being devoted to spirit, being devoted to our well-being, being devoted to looking at the hard reflections, even if it makes us flinch and breathing through that and wanting to to understand ourselves, I think is a beautiful thing. And the world of self-love right now, there's so much like, you know, there's so many buzz terms in all of these, this world right now. And I'm always wanting to find new ways to talk about it, but let's just call it self-love. I mean, a planet with self-love would be such an incredibly different place because the planet is so soul sick right now. So I would say the rituals for people can be meditation, as I mentioned. If that's not your cup of tea, like then sit down and journal for three minutes, like pick a time frame, pick a general time of day and stick to it for 30 days or 40 days and just make it be a non-negotiable. And if someone says they don't have three minutes, they're it's not true. You have three minutes. You have a minute, whatever it is. Everyone can carve out three minutes. So what do you say to those people who, who make that <laughs> excuse that you have three minutes? I say, I'll, uh, I, I will usually ask them what they do when they first wake up. 
if they're scrolling on their phone, that can certainly be eliminated. And there's your three minutes. You know, what if we just bypass all of that and tell them to just stop playing games? Yeah, you can say stop playing. I think it would depend on who I'm talking to. Why do you it's, think it makes a difference? I almost, it's almost like you and I have different purposes. It's like, it's almost like they would come through me and be like, I'd be like, here's the logistical things. Like, you're, and they're like, oh, because I can talk. It's just like, okay, put the phone down. I didn't think about that. And then they come to you and you're like, all right, buddy. Like, we're going to blast some light through you. <laughs> 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 I, can, I can help them. I'm like, I think I help people adjust, adjust and make it super digestible and tangible. And, and I talk spirit too. Uh, but I think just maybe being in the yoga for so long and teaching so many clients in their homes and like kind of coming from different areas. What, like what am I like? What are you like? Yeah, in regards to that. You, you're like, no bullshit. Like, I mean, I have a lot to learn from you too, but you definitely are someone who I think people come to you when they are really ready to, it's almost like they can come to me for ritual and lifestyle adjustments and creating, like I look at rituals as threads. I, we, just, I was just thinking that it's crazy that you just said that. That's wild, by the way. Because just now, as you were talking, I heard the voice in my head. She looks at it like threads. And what I was going to say is, I cut the threads. Yes, that's awesome. Okay. <laughs> that's so crazy that you just said that. That's wild. <laughs> no, that is like wild. Like, it just went through my head. Like, as you were talking, I saw this thread in like in front of me and I saw like all of your rituals and all of your structures are these little threads, right? And then I was like taking scissors and cutting them. Interesting. What's the cutting of, of the thread? So let me first say rituals, there's daily rituals, weekly rituals, monthly rituals, seasonal rituals. Like, you know, have your once a week dance class and your daily making your bed and meditating. And I mean, everything from the mundane to the mystical, flossing your teeth to like lighting a candle and praying for an hour, whatever it is. All, and then we have our monthlies and our seasonal. Maybe we get together with a friend once a week for brunch, and that's an important commitment that we don't want to break. And then we have a seasonal where we go somewhere once a year. All of those rituals are threads, and these threads come together to create a net of well-being. This net is what holds us. It's what carries us. It's there on the good days. It's there on the bad days. And by the way, it's important to show up to our rituals, our meditations, whatever it is, on the good days and the bad days. We don't wake up like, I feel good. I don't need it get down there and you still do it. It's like putting money in the bank. Those are the days we need it the most. And my older brother, who's a great, huge teacher of mine and, and supporter and brother, he's my big brother. He's always like, if you can, if you can, if you can show up for yourself on a good day, it's a good day. If you can show up for yourself on a bad day, it's a great day. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. So, so those threads are the net. And so maybe to piggyback off what you were saying, it's like, I can just help them get back to like earth a little bit. Like here, these are the practices. And then they come to you and you're like, okay, buddy, now we're cutting through the threads. And then maybe in the end, they're left with one or two rituals that they actually need. <laughs> Which is interesting, actually, because as you're talking, my guides are talking to me and they're like, these are the things that you have to incorporate in your life, Derek. Oh. Yeah. So like, as you're talking, the guides are like, you don't create it this way. Because like I live in this very, the way I live my life is I do as I want to do. Mm. Like if I, like I could wake up every morning and do a ritual. Yeah. But then I am the type of person that I'll get bored of it. Mm -hmm. Then I'll sabotage it. 
and rip it apart and burn it down because it now seems more like a task than it seems fun for me. So I always see those things as, but it's interesting what you're saying because there is certain rituals that I do accept in my life, such as brushing my teeth or taking a shower, you know, or these types of things, um, wording myself up, I make as a ritual, uh, you know, uh, so these types of things I can see and I can see the part of myself that is calling my own bullshit you know, because my own bullshit is I need to develop more of that. And me, the way I operate in the world is I operate from the idea that I utilize what, if I want to meditate, I'll meditate. If I don't want to meditate, then I tune in and be like, I don't want to meditate. And I don't do anything that I feel like I have to force myself into. So then at the end of the week, I take inventory to look at all the things that I didn't force myself into and and look at why am I being stubborn in those areas, Mm. right? And then I get to the bottom of it. Like, this is why I'm being stubborn. And this is why I'm being stubborn because I feel like this is being pressuring on me. All right, I'm having all these things going on that I just don't want to do it. This is my way of getting my power back. And, you know, I used to be bulimic as well. Mm. And what I used bulimia for was an exercise of exercising my power to do something that I wasn't able to do in my normal waking life mm. because my family was so controlling and had all these rules. Same with me, and super controlling. Super controlling and everything had to have its place and everything had to be clean all the time. And like you had to go to your, you had to do your, you had to do your practice. You had to do your piano lessons. You had to do this. You had to do that. And got to go to bed at this time. And you better be up in the morning at this time. And when the lights go off in the street, you better be home. And it was like, you better, you better, you oh, better. No. I wonder you don't want to have to meditate every day. (laughs) That's exactly right. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly right. But bulimia does come from, I think it's control and rage or like maybe it wasn't for you, but they they say, quote, air quotes here, that that's kind of where that comes from. Yeah, I used it as a self-empowerment mechanism. Every time I went to that place, it was my choice to do this to myself Hmm. versus someone else making something happen for me. Mm -hmm. So it was a part of me being angry at the situation, empowering myself through the motion of being bulimic, and then also being like a big fuck you to my family for the fact that they, this is what I feel emotionally that I can't express. And so I feel like I'm, I'm filled up and I want to empty. I'm filled up. I want to empty. Yeah. Right. And it was only till I got to the place of realizing that I don't have to do everything they want me to do and I can rebel. My rebellion is what healed me in a lot of things in my life. And what I see in, in my life in, in now is being able to, because there's probably people who are listening and the tribe right now who are very much like, yeah, I love her rituals. I love it. I love it. And then there's people in the tribe who are like me, who are like, Ugh, do I really want to do that? <laughs> I mean, let me just add though, that I don't, my rituals change. I don't have the same, my meditation over the, like right now I'm in the middle of a 40 day Kriya. I do a certain chant. I have a certain movement that I do. And then I sit quietly. Before that, I was just sitting quietly. Before that, I was doing cards and journaling and then sitting quiet. I always have a sitting quietly part just because I need it. I My mind is very freaking active. I have anxiety sometimes, blah, blah, blah. Like I need to just sit the fuck down sometimes right. and stop right? because I can get so heady. Um so you're so, so okay. So you're so doing my forty days will, of Kriya. I'm doing forty days of Kriya now, and I had a different forty day one before. What is it like to do sometimes? For 40 I'll have days? like a fifteen minute promise to myself that I'll journal, which I really should get back to. 
no shoulds. So I do that. That's, see, that's, that's, it, that's, that's it right the there. inner. That's the inner that's voice the that thing. I. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing I'm talking I, oh, about. Let me say this: I only say should because I I reaped the benefits of doing that before, and I'm ready to receive those benefits again. I don't know about that. I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate right now. Here comes the devil's advocate. Actually, I don't even know if I want to call it devil's advocate. Let's just call it an advocate. Okay. Just that off the bat, you said, I should get back to doing this, right? Instead of talking to the part of yourself that hasn't chosen to get back to it. Right. And find out why. Because I feel like that's my whole thing is like, if we can look at the authentic nature of why we choose not to meditate versus someone who chooses to put like a 40-day regimen in front of them, they do that 40-day regimen and then they feel, okay, I did that. Great. Now that means that, look, I stuck to that. But like for me, as you just said, I should get back to that. Then I would talk to the part that says, well, why do you not choose to do it? I mean, partly because I already have a half an hour to 40 minute thing that I do in the morning and that's enough for right now. Uh, Yes, but let's go a little bit deeper into that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I like how you just spun this whole thing. (laughs) Well, I mean, the thing is that we're here to help each other, right? Because I'm learning from you because I'm looking at right now. While you're talking, I'm looking at the part of me that's going, why don't I do a 40-day thing, right? I would be so fascinated to see if, 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 but I do agree that it has, like when I did this one that I'm in, everything was a yes. I was like, yep, I'm doing it. Like, you know, done. And so I'm not there yet to coming back to my journaling. So, you know, when that inspiration comes back, cause I, and you, it is a good catch because I don't want to speak to myself like, oh, you should do, like I've had enough of that. I have a very strong inner critic. It sounds like we grew up with very controlling, opinionated families. And that critic has just... I mean, and then then, comparing us. Yeah. I mean, it was like Fox (laughs) News, just like constantly like... (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, I'm just kind of... <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, and the thing is, this was always so funny because I'm sitting here thinking right now. So I so as you're talking, my brain is going, I can hear my guys talking, and they're like, um, what is your thoughts about trying that 40-day uh, you know, doing a 40-day thing where you get up every morning and you do this one meditation for 40 days? What would that do for you? And then I was thinking. I heard this voice go, well, I don't want to do that 40-day thing. And mm. then I, so then I, as you were talking, I heard another voice. And then I said, well, why don't you want to do it? Mm-hmm. And it's like, because I feel like you're putting a rule on me that I have to do something. And mm. then you're going to suck the joy away from me. And every time they did that as a kid, every, when I was growing up as a kid, every time there was a role put on me, I felt they were sucking the joy out of the things that I love to do. So if I was playing basketball or baseball or piano lessons or horseback riding or whatever it is that I was doing, it was always about, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. And the whole, you have to, to my brain was like feeling like I was being put into some form of slavery to that thing. So I decided not to have fun with it anymore. So I'd be like, oh God, do I really have to go to baseball practice? Whereas before, when I first got into it, it was like, oh my God, I get to go see my friends. We're going to go play baseball, (laughs) you know? But then my dad and my stepmom were so about these regimens of rules and, and, and criticisms. Like, well, if you want to be good at playing the piano, then you better do your, you better do your, you know, your practice. You better. As soon as I hear the word, you better, I turn the other way and run. Mm. And so I just looked at that just now. That's why I choose not to do the 40 day thing, because I have this thing that if I have to do it, then there, 
there, it, to me, it's like, I have to do it. Then that means that if I don't do it, then something must be wrong with me. And right. so, so I immediately go to, if I decide to do it, I'll do it because it, it seems fun. So my thing is, how do we get to, because that's what I'm realizing in our conversation, right? Is that we grew up in that way. How do we keep things fun? Yeah, totally. And I can take myself very seriously. That's shifting now. And I, as I said, I just had a crazy two years and I just feel like I'm wearing new skin and kind of finding myself again and beautifully even like the younger part, that magical self, is, she's always been there, but she's kind of reawakening in a new way. Um, I think for me, this term ritualizing emotional health is something I've worked with a lot and I think just people are in different places too. Like you, we're all, we're, we live our work, you and I, and and you know, I could probably learn a lot from you around trusting more and letting go more and all these things that, that are so important. And I can important. learn a lot from you as well in the form of creating structure yeah. that it gives me more space to create more structure. Right, exactly. And I'm still learning a lot about structure. Like I have to, when it comes to work and time is very expansive for me. So sometimes I need to like find the structure around, I could get a lot more done and different windows and things like that. And I want to do that, not because I think I should, but because I... I want to, and I'm working on that. So having that morning practice for me is a step in that direction where I am working with time in relate in in right relationship with time, in right relationship with my body, in right relationship with God. Because here's a big part that I think you might relate to. Any relationship in our life, sure, we have those people that we don't see for years and then we see them and we're dropping in just as deep as ever. However, for the most part, people we care a lot about, it does require some effort and consistency to deepen the intimacy, to deepen the love, to deepen the relationship and the bond. And it's no different with spirit. Like I, it's, it's, it's my, you know, I want to sit with spirit and spirits in my life all the time, but to have that moment of prayer in the morning and that moment of quiet in the morning where I'm working on that relationship on a daily basis, just like I would with my beloved or anyone else that would require that kind of attention. If I want them to show up for that, me the way I need to show up for them and that, that, kind of rapport. Mm. And I think when when distance forms in any relationship, distance forms and we feel less close and less connected. And and maybe it's different in your work and my work because it's kind of what we do all the time. But for me, I needed to have that. And I hit a bottom, you know, and 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 that bottom, I, I just didn't know where else to go. And life is fluctuating and chaotic all the time. So I have this one place every day that I know that I can trust, even if life is spinning all around me. This one point every day I can land there and I know I can trust that. That's like the one consistent. So that's your eye of the storm. Kind, yeah. Perfect way to say that. Totally. Yeah. That was my eye of the storm. And and I do like having these 40 days and these mornings. My altar is one of my favorite places. I literally have to pull myself away in the morning. I'm just like, even if I'm like futzing on my phone, I'm not like sitting there super sacred and serious all the time. Sometimes I'm scrolling on Instagram. But but I love my altar. It's my little campfire and it builds. And the more I sit with it and do all my things there, whether it's meditation or writing or even- What's on your altar? I have, um, right now I have an intention candle. So intention candle is one of the rituals in the guidebook. And this is a one-time ritual. You don't have to do it every day. Some of the rituals in the book are daily. Some of them are a one-off project. This one is the intention candle. You get a candle, beeswax preferably, because it's clean and beautiful and releases negative ions into the air. And you sit in your uh, with your intention. If someone needs to kind of get clear, they could do some writing, some meditating. Some people might know right away. Get clear on your intention. And then I like to use a porcupine quill. You can also use a wooden stick, something that has a point. They I, say in I mag- use porcupine. Uh, me too. Well, they say in magic that you're supposed to use something that was once living. So yeah, yeah, sorry to the vegans on no. here, but yeah. And um, and so you take your stick 
have your intention. Once you're clear and write it out, then you write your intention on the candle. And that intention can be one word. It can be, I usually like to do one word that's like the mama intention. And then around the candle have other words or little symbols that I created that, that fuel that intention. So if the intention is prosperity or community or forgiveness, like, you know, if, if you know forgiveness is blocking you, then that should be the intention candle first, as much of a sludge as that is to work through. Like, don't get to the fun candle. Just do the forgiveness candle, get to the next candle. So that was, you know, I had a lot of forgiveness work to do. That was one of my candles. So you write your intention in it. And as you're carving into it, be with that intention. Try not to be, you know, off and whatever, you know, mentally present to that intention. Every line enjoying the carving. And then when you're done carving, you can use oils and then you can use myrrh, lavender, whatever, intuitively feel like they'd help support that intention. And then you just anoint the candle with your fingers, just cover the, all the wax with your oil and then light it and you sit with it. And so that candle can be a candle that you sit with every day for X number of days. And depending on the size of the candle, if you get a massive one, it's going to take a while. So keep that in oh, mind. That was great. Yeah. And then I light the candle every morning when I meditate. And I also light it if I'm like hanging in my room, writing, like doing things. I just kind of want that warmth in my room. You can you can light it. It doesn't have to be only in meditation. But that's a daily meditation. You can sit with the candle until it's burned to the bottom. And then uh, once it's burned to the bottom, you can start a new one. And if if you feel like you need to keep working on that intention, carve another one or create a new one. So I have an intention candle on my altar right now that has a symbol that I've been working with. I just like to make up my own symbols or sigils uh, that represent something like a bigger idea in a snapshot of a, a visual design. And then uh, there's also lots of little seed quartz all around it because the quartz crystals amplifies mm -hmm. the intention. And that's all sitting on this indigo piece of fabric that I created. Uh -huh. And and then aside from that, I have my dish for all of my smudge. I have my crystals. And then I have a little section devoted to my mom and to community and, and to all these other little things, cacao beans and all kinds of stuff on there. Mm -hmm. So that's my altar. And then underneath it, there's little slits that have all my decks and journals and smudge drawer. And Love it. I yeah. love it. So, you know, one of the things for me about altars is uh, ancestor altars. Because in ancient days and in shamanism, one of the first things we learn is to create an ancestor altar that represents different parts of our family members. It could be a picture, it could be a symbol, it could be a thimble, it can be if your ancestor loved riding horses, you have a little horse on there. Mm. Because when you have a relationship with your ancestors, you actually can pull in their power and they can assist you from the other side. But most people have disconnected from the ancestors and that's why they feel like they're wilding out all the time because they don't have that extra protection. Because your ancestors can't tap in from the other side until you give permission. And that's what the ancestor, the other altar that I'm very strong about is what is called the self-love altar. Mm. So it's about putting a picture of you and then, and then giving offerings to yourself. So you would get offerings of like, if you want to bring abundance, you'd bring money to it. If you want to bring more peace, you bring things that bring peace to it. And you sit with yourself and you give love and you pray for yourself. So you pray, you acknowledge, you give devotion to yourself. And what it does is it amplifies your energy. Because a lot of times when people will create altars, they'll create altars of like other deities and other gods and other beings and so forth, but they don't create it for themselves as a creator. Mm -hmm. And it really does. And I've, I've had children do it 
And the kids tell me they feel so empowered and they can see so much of their power, their magic, their ability. So I love your altar. Your altar sounds absolutely divine. I love it so much. It's a little campfire. I'm just listening to a little great. campfire. It's great. It's like it's always see you sitting in front of your altar. It's awesome. I have my sheepskin. I have like a ridiculous amount of crystals. And you know what? And I'm also, I'm really excited because I'm learning a lot from you because I realize that as I'm sitting here, I'm listening to my guides talking and they're throwing in a comments while you're talking and stuff. And one of the things that they're bring into my attention is that the reason why I don't create any form of these kind of rituals or structures is because I want to see what is authentic to mm-hmm. myself. I want to see if I'm authentic. I want to see if I'm doing it because I think this is what it means to be spiritual or this is what it means to be balanced. Or am I really doing it because I find passion and joy in what I'm doing? And what I'm learning also too is that there's also a blind spot that I just recognized that I've created by keeping away from those aspects of that structure that you're talking about, I am keeping myself so expanded without creating a container for, as you said, for those energies, which are so important, just to be able to sit with an intention or to sit with a candle. Perhaps I sit with a candle or perhaps I get up and I do shamanic passages every morning for 40 days and just let myself do that and Mm. commit to my shamanic passages, which my elders have always told me, Dirk, get up in the morning, do your shamanic passages, you know, because it's going to increase your powers and your powers are going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And the more power you have, the more you're able to show people their own power because you're able to see through all of the different lenses of perception. You're like brightening just as you talk about that. It's just like, yes. Yeah. What would that look like, a shamanic passage? Is that, can so you share shamanic that? passages are, I don't know if you've ever seen the TV show OA. Yes. Okay. So you I know that, that. So you know what they're doing in that? That's a shamanic passage. Oh, cool. So a shamanic passage is we, we open up, we do certain things with our body, we make sounds, and we do movements that open up portals to other dimensions. And then I can access those portals. Like I taught it in Mallorca. I taught it just recently in Costa Rica to um, a group of like, I think it was like 200 people, how to do the shamanic passage of awareness where they can pick up on simultaneous information that spans across the globe. And so you can actually do shamanic passages to do remote viewing. You can do shamanic passages to access powers and, and clarities inside of your being that will give you access to move energies in the direction you want them to move. I love that. I want to learn that. That's why people always say to me, like, how come when you want something, you get it? It's because I do shamanic passages for manifestation that allow me to be able to make things happen without me putting the the, the um, heavy effort to make it happen. Yeah. I do the, I do the bare minimum. And when it comes to my spiritual practice, like, because I use a lot of shamanic techniques to make it so that the spirits do all of it for me. And I just sit back and just say what I need. And then just happens because I'm opening up portals to other dimensions and some portals I'm opening, I'm connecting with beings and building a relationship with them. And then we have this beautiful connection. So they're always there. Like elves are the best when it comes to manifestation. Elves, being friends with the elven people and leaving offerings in nature for the elves shows them so much respect because elves are such, they're so um, particular about human beings because they want to support human beings, but human beings have let them down so many times because of the whole industrial period that elves have kind of pulled themselves away from human beings and only come forth when humans are willing to be open and stop coming into a place of judgment and really come into a place of like, I'm going to be open to the elven spirit. And elven spirit is such a powerful spirit because elves are very creative. They can manifest money. They can manifest anything. They have access to all of the dimensional energies. So 
like especially when I was living in Iceland, I remember I was. I was just going to say, I've been been, Iceland's very near and dear to my heart. I've led retreats there for seven years straight, and that energy. Have you been to Snifelsness? Oh, hi, I have. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I, Iceland is my second home, and um, I'm even learning Icelandic. And you know the the interesting thing about Iceland is that when I'm there, there's so many elves that are there. So I go and spend a lot of time with the elven with the elven um, spirits um, there, and they teach me so much about how to manifest, how to use magic in a stronger way that supports people, how to do deeper healing on people. And one time there was this woman and I had the elf come in the room and do healing on her. And she was just, oh my God, what is happening to me? And she started shaking in her body. And then she saw all these colors and energies and she started laughing. The elves are so powerful, but like not just the elves, the fairies are powerful. You know, um, you know, all of these myth, uh, these uh, mystical beings are so powerful. And so when you do passages, you access these other dimensions and so I don't, I, there was, that's why when I saw OA, my sister goes, look, they're doing shamanic passages because literally that's what it is. And they're opening up chambers to other doorways, to other dimensions, but you have to, you know, you have to practice, you have to practice the movement, you have to practice the sounds, you have to practice the breath, you have to practice these things. And so if I did it every day for 40 days, took a break for one month and did it again, my powers would be way more than what they are. And right now, my powers are very strong already. I'm to, I want to get to the place where I get my powers so strong that I can touch someone and it awakens all their powers inside of them. And then I don't have to like even go into a session with them. I can just touch them and just like awaken their gifts. And I did it to a girl at, um, at Dave Asprey's uh, lab's place in um, my friend, this girl, Amanda. I did it to her and I touched her and I was like, I'm going to awaken your powers. And then she was, they put me in this machine and they, she was screaming. And then the owner pulled me out of one of the machines that Dave wanted me to go into and was like, could you please help this, help this girl? She's having a meltdown. I said, no, she's not having a meltdown. We opened her powers and they found, and there's trauma inside. So she has to let the trauma. So I built a spiritual nanobite to go inside of her body, find the trauma in her brain, pull it out. She coughed it all out, came out of her body was convulsing. And then she was done. And now she's had all these powerful um, witch powers that she never knew was there. And it's been amazing because she's now been doing stuff with my friend, you know, at ceremony meditation and like opening up doors and doing all these things. But this is what I'm talking about. But if I did what you are saying, it would take me even further. And so instead of me having this very like, I'm just going to do things that my spirit really wants to do. And then I'm going to put everything else and then look at it and then be like, why am I not doing it? Oh, this is because I have a resistance to it. And then, you know, I would like to like make something, and that's what I'm going to do, is make something where I do in the morning and it's going to be passages for 40 days. I'm going to do a passage every day for 40 days. You heard it here, people. I love it. How long? 10 minutes? 5 minutes? Are you going to let the time... You can also let the time be open, you know, that you could, the, the commitment could be for as long as it feels perfect. I'd say 20 minutes. Okay. Yeah, and it's, I almost feel like it's also this way of giving back to your spirit guides, too. Of like, you know, I'm sure you have your ways of giving back to them, but it's just like, it just feels like such a beautiful relationship. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's uh, going to be really wonderful. And I'm glad that I'm listening to this because I need this information to be able to forward myself in my abilities as well, because I'm being pulled in all these directions and so forth. And being able to have, when you said what you said about being in front of your altar and sitting down with that candle, the spirits came through and was like, Dirk, we know 
that what you're doing and we love everything that you're doing, but we would invite you to look at this as an opportunity to really complete these certain things shamanically that would support you and mm-hmm. having more power to help the people. Mm-hmm. Like it came through like my ancestors, my grandmother, like my whole family, tribal members just spoke to me and was like, this is the thing we've been asking you to do. And you have made many excuses not to do it because you have made um, your decision based on the idea of, you know, being free and all this stuff. But really, is are you using that freedom as a way to keep yourself busy helping people all the time? It, helping people is also elevating and leveling up. You know, and I level up, but I could level up in a bigger way. And I know that. Mm-hmm. And I, know I mean, that. so can I. And you help me a lot with the language. I made the moon deck. We make what we need, you know. Right. And, and the deck is all about healthy mental inner dialogue and emotional health. And and it's the very thing that I uh, I can struggle with because I, I have a harsh critic. And I've had to... Had a harsh critic. I thank you. There you go. I had. I used to, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I used to have a harsh critic. Uh, the harsh critic, yeah. And you said, and the harsh critic used to take residence in your house, but you evicted it. I totally evicted it, and I'm a free woman now. So. Yeah. And there's um one of my teachers. So you're saying the passages. I find that through dance, and I and I'm not dancing enough lately. So as you're saying that, I'm like, I need to be moving my body more because it's such a huge part of who I am, and. And uh, I've been more in, in the intellect lately. But um, uh, one of my teachers, Gabriel Roth, who's the founder of Five Rhythms, a quote that I just thought of when you shared what you shared is, it takes discipline to be a free spirit. Mm, very nice. So let's, 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 let's pull some um, moon cards for the tribe. Yes. So we're going to start with the, we're going to start with the first one, right? Which is, Yeah, so 2019, what is the thing that the tribe collectively needs to invite into their beings as a way to see and and take in, right, to digest or accept inward that's going to make the tribe stronger on a collective level Mm. in in power? And also, tribe, just to let you know when you will be able to uh, go to my Instagram at Shaman Durek and you'll be able to see what these cards look like. So if you don't have um, access to Instagram, uh, it will also be sent in the newsletter that will be going out. So please be signed up on the newsletter or go to Instagram at Shaman Dirk to see the images of the cards that will be pulled in this share. Okay. Interesting. Cool. So we got the eagle. I welcome clear vision and inspired action. I welcome clear vision and inspired action. I welcome clear vision and inspired action. So this is about our mornings and how we start them, this card in the moon deck. <laughs> and uh, in this case, it's about having a big glass of water first thing in the morning to get the water element moving through your system. Bonus points if you put a crystal in there. You can leave it overnight next to your bed. And then no digital for the first half hour at least of the morning. It's all about showing up for yourself for that first half hour, whether it's the passages, the meditation, taking a longer walk with your dog, whatever it is, that there's no information from the outside world, whether it's demands on you or just other people's lives, none of that for at least the first half hour or more. So that's the ritual for this for 30 days. And um, I welcome clear vision and inspired action. So in answer to what can the collective do is taking care of ourselves when we wake up. That that moment from sleep, from dream time to daytime is a sweet gateway. 
and and it's a sacred time and it's a time where energy is like potent. So what do we do with that potent energy in the morning? And if what we choose, how we choose what to do with that potent energy in the morning starts to then trickle into our day and into our lives and how we're showing up in the world. So treating that that sacred window in the morning as sacred, however the listener wants to translate that. And welcoming clear vision and inspired action. So if you're clear about the intention, that's one thing. And if you're not clear, just having the inquiry uh, is okay. So if someone who's listening is just like, I don't know what I want. I don't know my intent. That's okay. Just have the inquiry and have it sincerely. So I welcome clear vision, inspired action is about welcoming the clarity of vision of what you're creating, whether that's a project or a service in the world or even a relationship or even a garden. It can be very simple. And then taking inspired steps forward to take action. So with the eagle card, you can imagine the eagle is soaring from way above. So it's it's also the zooming out, getting the bird's eye view of soaring above the sky, above the earth, and seeing all the landscapes, all the rivers, all the mountains that have created your life. And so we get to see the beauty from that bird's eye view and to kind of take the microscope off of our life and take the macro look and be like, oh, this all makes sense now. And in that bird's eye view, that zooming out, that acknowledgement for the whole landscape of our lives, that we can then get more clear on what our vision forward is and then ask for the willingness, if need be, for inspired steps forward to take the action. Love that. And so, okay, so I have another thing for the tribe. Uh, For the year 2019, when you, for the tribe, we want to focus on what do we need to let go to bring more prosperity, more joy, more happiness, more uh, focused intention of, of success in our lives? So we get, I surrender to the power of prayer and devotion. I surrender to the power of prayer and devotion. I surrender to the power of prayer and devotion. So your question is, what do we let go of? And so I would say in reflection of the the devotion card, and devotion is a word we used a lot today, it's letting go of any more shallow relationships in our lives to people, substances, or behaviors that don't feel like a sense of devotion, anything that's depleting our energy or making us believe uh, that devotion is anything but powerful and loving. This is cards very much about, as I spoke earlier, deepening our bond with spirit, God, universe, oneness, whatever you want to name it. The importance of showing up on a regular basis, I believe daily, in some form, it can be a minute a day, with devotion and deepening that relationship, having curiosity about that relationship, allowing the exchange of that relationship, surrendering into that relationship, building trust again with that relationship, because the planet so needs that right now. Working with love, working with light, bringing God and spirit into a devotional relationship and practice. And however devotional we can make that relationship, and you don't have to be religious. This is just about like seeing the oneness and all, connecting to a sense of spirit, Um, So it's letting go of any false illusions or beliefs that get in the way of that devotion or get in the way of our relationship to spirit and just doing that one day at a time, one step at a time and having that daily practice or that daily prayer or the passages is a way to do that. So this card is kind of bringing us back to that conversation. I love it. Love it. And the one last card for the tribe, which is 
what is the mantra that we need to hold into our observance throughout the year that is going to be able to shift a lot of the calamity on the earth if we all choose to hold into that mantra space for the year 2019? Mm. All right. This mantra is, I have unlimited potential and claim my purpose. All I need is within me. I have unlimited potential and claim my purpose. All I need is within me. And last time, I have unlimited potential and claim my purpose. All I need is within me. Mm. So this is the confidence card, the purpose card. It's also called, it was going to be the confidence card. It's the purpose card now. As we made it, things shifted. But it's basically the purpose slash confidence card. And this is a longer mantra. I have unlimited potential and claim my purpose. All I need is within me. So maybe some days it's like, all I need is within me. All I need is within me. All I need is within me. And that can be the mantra. And that can be the collective... Phenomenal. Absolutely wonderful. Absolutely brilliant. And just this is this is so wonderful for the tribe and for all of us that we are this amazing, powerful tribe of leaders who are here to lead leaders through the message of love. And this is really great. How can people, you know, find you and follow you and get in touch with how can they get how can they get the moon deck? How can they follow you? How can they get in touch with you? Can you share that, please? Um, sure. So we are online, uh, the www.themoondeck.com. And you can purchase moon decks there. We also have some other little enchantments. We're also on Amazon now, Amazon Prime, which is very exciting. So you can save on shipping if you have that in the US. And then we are in like 10 countries. So we do wholesale all over the world. So we're actually in stores and we have a, a stores page on our website or you can just DM me. But yeah, themoondeck.com. And then on Instagram, we're super active on Instagram. And that's where we I engage the most. So my personal page is arana.lea, A-A-R-O-N-A dot L-E-A. And that's also my website, aranalia.com. And then on Instagram for Moon Deck, it's the underscore Moon Deck, M-O-O-N-D-E-C-K. And then every single Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Coast time, I do a free live Moon Day on Instagram and Facebook. I have both cameras going where I pick a card and I go into the meaning and talk about a lot of the things we talked about today. I'm pretty intuitive with it and very candid. So it's just, you show up, put your comments in, I'll answer it. Um, and that's every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Coast time. So yeah, the Moon Deck, Arana Leah, both on Instagram and on the dot com. And I teach uh, yoga at Wanderlust in Los Angeles and, and when I'm not traveling. So fantastic. And you will also, um, you know, Arana will also be on my Instagram live uh, doing some talks about the Moon Deck and also doing uh, some readings with the cards. So I'll be letting the tribe know that in my Instagram live, you'll get a notice about that, or that will also be in the newsletter if you're signed up on the newsletter. I just want to thank you so much. I've learned so much from you today. And I'm so happy that you came into the studio to be here here for this share for the tribe and um, I love you and I think you're an amazing person and I'm so happy that I met you or should I say met you we say we got to see each other again yeah, it was a very easy drop in when I met you at Wellspring I had known about your work and then when we met we did a little exchange you shared your medicine I shared mine and I'm just really honored to be here and thank you for the opportunity to share this work with your tribe I really appreciate it <laughs> absolutely it's your tribe as well thank so you, thank you yeah. so much yeah Exciting news, Tribe. My new book, Spirit Hacking, is now available at Barnes & Noble and Amazon and wherever books are sold. 
put a pre-order in tribe we are here to change the world with this book and by pre-ordering this book it is making it possible for me to be a new york times bestseller so the more books we sell on pre-order when all the books go out it's going to be great it's about being lit and it's about spreading that fire around the world invite to ignite let everyone know spirit hacking is available love you Well, everyone, you got it right there. It's all about the love. It's about, you know, creating that ritual for ourselves. It's about being able to recognize the rituals that we're in that, you know, we can access into the darkness and go in there and find this ritual to pull ourselves from the darkness into the light. And we can wake up in the morning and create a morning, you know, 40 days uh, ritual, you know, set up the candle, like Arana was saying, and just get into that space of pure devotion and focus intention. You know, and getting out there, getting your moon deck, which is wonderful, so that you have, you know, a focal point to be able to use the cards to set yourself up in the right way and really drive that energy into your life in the way that supports you for the highest level so that you can live your best life. Tribe, I love you so much. Um, and if you're not following me on Instagram, please go do so at Shaman Durek. And you can sign up under my newsletter at shamandurek.com to get level up, to take some of my workshops in shamanism and to learn how to access your powers in this day and age. And also, most importantly, remember to um, ignite, invite. So we want to invite to ignite. So basically what that means is letting people know about Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Even if you think they wouldn't listen to it, you'd be surprised how many people have written me who said they had no idea that their parents would listen to it and now their parents have completely changed. And and so, the, you know, the, the, the love, the nectar, the joy, the healing, the medicine is real, people. And so when we step into that place of, you know, getting in there to invite and ignite, we invite invite to ignite, to allow the light to shine bright. And that's what it's about. So keep the magic alive, everyone. And remember how powerful you are. And I love you and always will. And until next time, see you later, alligator. Bye.